Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. I'm Katie. I'm here with Nina and Tyler today. Hello today. And we have no guests today. It's just the three of us. Are you guys ready for this? I don't know. We're not sure. Every time you introduce me, I'm always waiting for you to say my nickname, and then you say my real name, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're a professional (laughs) setting. Of course. Highly professional. (laughs) Um, Well, today we're going to talk about uh, each of our experiences with uh, kind of the way we used to have a relationship with food and uh, how we have a relationship with food today and sort of on the topic of food freedom. So get ready to share your journey. Uh, Before we do that, I want to pull from our rest deck again by Trisha Hershey. We've talked about her a lot. She has a book I actually have with it to have it with me today, Rest is Resistance. And then uh, Nina got me this fabulous deck. Um, But I I realized the other day, because I haven't finished her book yet, um, when I was reading it, that, you know, the deck is amazing. And it really brings about this kind of like amazing reminder that we have rest at our fingertips and that our culture doesn't value rest, but we can we can create that value in ourselves and and create a, a, um, a new value system. And um, one of the things I realized when I was reading her book is like, it's really fun to read these on on the show, but that we also have to understand her deeper message. So one of the things that I really want to highlight is that even though this deck is really incredible, she has a really strong message. And I feel like I've been doing the deck a disservice by not also communicating sort of the deeper intention behind what she's trying to do. So um, I want to start by reading a paragraph that I read the other day about her work, if you guys are up for that, just so that I feel like I'm really doing her work like the, the, the service that it needs. Um, she says, I know there are many who have misunderstood the totality of our message of rest. I am learning by observing the patterns that have emerged on our social media accounts over the years. Many have purposely ignored the social justice and political thread that runs through. It can be easier to believe resting is simply about retiring to your bed when you are tired instead of beginning the messy process of deconstructing your own beliefs and behaviors that are aligned with white supremacy and capitalism. That's a pretty big difference from, you know what I mean? So anyway, this is why I feel like I had to read this. You must be committed to studying how training under the abusive teachings of dominant culture has you bound and limited. This is healing work. This is justice work. When we are aligned against the ideas of the oppressive culture, we understand we didn't arrive on earth to be a tool for a capitalist system. It's not our divine purpose. You were not just born to center your entire existence on work and labor. You were born to heal, to grow, to be of service to yourself and community, to practice, to experiment, to create, to have space, to dream, and to connect. So that is really, I feel like, embodies like the message of her work. And so I just really wanted to make sure that I really shared that because her deck is incredible. But if not in the right context, it can be really like light and fluffy. And and the truth like is- Like take a nap, right? Instead of like, hey, take some space for yourself and like get to understand your true nature and what you can contribute and you know what you're stuck in that's yeah. keeping you trapped, right? Well, it, I mean, it's it's basically saying that like, it's easier to just- like go take a nap, but the harder work underneath that nap is that the systems and the values that we adhere to are rooted in a lot of things around racism and white supremacy and capitalism, and they don't serve anyone. And the real work is dissecting and unpeeling that onion and then and then figuring out a way to to do some healing around that. Mm. And and so I just I felt like I love that we're reading the deck, but I wanted to really underline the sort of hard stuff 
that's the root of of why we are in the system and the culture that we're in. And I think it's really important to share that message. So I appreciate everyone listening to that just for a minute because um, her work is really important and it has really deep, meaningful roots that I feel a responsibility to share about. So absolutely. Um, I think that's great. Honestly, at the end of the day, if you just stay moving all the time, like you don't give yourself permission to like even examine the life you're living or the beliefs you have, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, just giving yourself permission to pause for one second to say like, what, what about this is not serving me or what do I need to do to change this aspect of how I'm showing up? It's yeah. Like so and I think what she's saying is that, and she's also, this is what I'm talking about is she's talking about like a really deep rooted oppressive system yeah. that especially the people at this table deeply benefit from. And what she's asking us to do is to vigorously interrogate those systems and deconstruct how we benefit from it and make a change. And that's where healing really happens. And so that's a really hard message. And it, it might even sound harsh, but that's, I think, what she's really... And if you're listening, <laughs> Trisha, and I'm getting it wrong, I would love your feedback. But I think that's what she wants to really highlight in her message is like rest is a beautiful thing. And the reason why we don't have it is because of this systemic piece that exists. And it's our responsibility, especially since we benefit the most from the system, to vigorously interrogate that and understand it and and heal from it and and, and f- facilitate the healing and, and participate in the healing of that. I agree. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I hear what you're saying, and I just I don't want to water down what she's saying. I think she deserves that message to come in loud and clear, personally. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to pull from the deck. <laughs> but thank you for letting me say those things. Um, on that note, uh, I do nothing alone. This is what the card is today. I do nothing alone. My whole life is a collaboration. Unravel from toxic individualism. Ask yourself, what does it serve me to navigate life by myself? The lie of individualism keeps us separated, isolated, exhausted, and disconnected. Without collaborating in rest and care, we will not make it. We need one another in order to make it. Be curious about the ways you can connect, care, and collaborate with others while on your rest journey. Mm. That deeply spoke to what she just said. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, yeah, that's great. That's really great. Okay, cool. Well, I really appreciate your work, uh, Trisha Hershey. You do great stuff. Come join us on the pod someday. (laughs) We'll work on it. If she wants. Maybe. Um, Okay, let's talk about food freedom. I think this is a really great opportunity to um, just like have a conversation about our own journey because the three of us in (laughs) in friendship together but also individually have really been on our own unique journeys with food and have come so far. And so I don't know who wants to start. Nina, maybe you want to start sort of just about your journey of like what does food freedom look like for you? And what did f- your relationship with food look like before you have had? What like- does food prison look like? Yeah, I mean, mm. gosh, what a large topic. And I know this is um, going to be different for every single person listening. But, um, you know, I think that I have somewhat of a classic baseline in that, you know, you grow up around food and you have messages from the parents in your life and what is appropriate, what's not um, around what you eat. And, um, you know, I come from a family that tends to be on the more voluptuous side and, you um, in, in midsize or, or uh, larger bodies. And so um, my mom really put a lot of pressure on me being healthy and me being um, kind of like more athletic and, mm. and than she was. And so um, foods represented that in our household. There was a lot of vegetables. There was a lot of like, you know, if you don't want to have this, you can have a carrot instead mm. or whatever. And 
Um, she didn't control what I ate by any means, but there was a lot of emphasis on healthy foods. I remember a big thing. I was an avid reader as a kid, and um, she would say in the grocery store when I was old enough to read, um, you know, you can have the snacks on the shelf, but you have to read it, and if it has this ingredient in it, you can't have it. And so, like, I would just peruse the shelves, like, looking for the snack that had, like, all the things I wanted, which was, you know, sugar, food coloring, whatever. Yeah, but no hydrogenated but no oils. No hydrogenated oils. <laughs> no, it was, no high fructose corn syrup. Every, right? like, yeah. yeah. And that was like, that was the one thing. Like, so I could really have a lot of foods. There was like, you know, flexibility around that. But it was like, we lived in an ingredient household. I don't know if people are familiar with that term. It's something that's propped up over TikTok over a while. Like you lived in a, a snack household or an ingredient household. There was like grains and whole things, but there was no like, just like easy to grab foods. Um, but anyway, point being is I was just searching, searching, searching for those snacks that had like the things I wanted, but not the thing my mom said I couldn't have. Mm. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, like lo and behold, um, after a childhood like that, I ended up going, um, moving out of course at, uh, at a certain point. And like the first thing I did was take my butt to Costco and like, I bought a box, like you guys, like the biggest box of gushers that they had. Mm. And I ate the whole, I was like, yes, this is amazing. Like you're like first ingredient, like, yeah. hydrogenated, hydrogenated oils. oils. Yes. High fructose corn syrup, <laughs> col colored red dye number five. <laughs> I needed it in my yeah. body, you know, like badly. Oh and, um, and, and in doing so, you know, again, I had been a very athletic kid because that was really emphasized in my family that I would have like a different body outcome than my mom and my grandmother. Um, and what so, pressure like that is that's is that from your perspective like maybe now versus then is that pressure coming from their own like dissatisfaction with self that they totally. also got from I mean, society god bless my mom but she has total um, and she would admit this you know and if you're listening mom i love you dearly but um you know she would admit that she has body dysmorphia like she absolutely feels like she is in a body that is not um attractive to society and she has a lot of stuff around that absolutely yeah. And she really didn't want that for me, right? And so to mm. protect me, she's like, we're going to make sure like that that doesn't happen you for you. Fear, yeah. And um, and so, you know, um, that had the outcomes that it had. But of course, again, like we talk a little bit about the, um, you know, restriction and then like the binge and then the repeat cycle, which happens so frequently for so many of us. And so once I kind of discovered that I could buy whatever food I wanted, I was like off to the races, um, which had its outcomes around my dieting where I would, you know, gain a little weight and then want to lose the weight and then... I was no longer an athlete. It's kind of a story we hear a lot. And you can't eat as much because your body's not moving as much or whatever. And so at a certain point, I found myself in many different diet systems. Um, and Many. Many. <laughs> <laughs> many. Um, probably like 50 different attempts at dieting of some kind in my life. Because I've I heard you guys to... like talk about so many diets, right? Oh, yeah. It's just like paleo, keto. We tried it uh, Like, uh, what, what are the ones? I remember there was like an, a military diet or something where you eat oh like God. a banana and like a thing each day or whatever. Or like the warrior diet where you only have one meal. Yeah, a day. one meal a day. But we'll get to you, Tyler, <laughs> the oh, leader of the diet. Yeah. Your turn's next. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the point I want to make though is that I, you know, I tried all these different diets. I didn't have any outcome that was positive for me. Um, it created more, I would argue, disordered uh, systems because. For me, I would then be like, okay, well, I had some success and then like I couldn't maintain the success or whatever the idea of success is. I'm using air quotes for those who are listening um, and ended up pretty sad, pretty bummed out and really just looking for the next diet to try. <clears throat> like don't eat any white foods, whatever. I mean, they're so silly. If you write them all down, they actually oh my totally all counter. Yeah. Countered, like uh, they don't all work. Like yeah. none of them. It, anyway, um, they, they contradict each other is what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, and it really wasn't, you know, and then of course we found each other and our friendship kind of blossomed under many circumstances, but diets was a huge part of like, what it was a core of on. our friendship. I mean, it was a big pillar mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and workout systems. We would do this together. We would try that. And we never really like stuck to it because in our real deeper nature, like we want to hang out on the couch and chat. 
That's what we really want to do. Yeah. yeah. And snack. And um, and like that brings us such joy, right? And such connection. But we were like, no, we have to, you know, not follow those inner um, things our bodies want. But um, anyway, so today, you know, I have a very different relationship with food, um, having gone through many different systems that didn't serve me and left me wanting more. And um, again, really restricting and then binging. Um, you know, I'd have, for instance, when I was keto at one point, like if you had a cracker, I'd be like, my day's wrecked. So I'm just going to eat like absolutely anything to get my hands on and i'll start over tomorrow you know and like gained so much more weight in that process than ever before um in the pursuit of trying to like lose weight you know so anyway um that didn't work for me it really didn't work for me and um, diets don't work they say that every day here yes they sure don't we need to make that into a sweatshirt oh my gosh that's a great idea (laughs) and we shape swag coming to you soon put that on the docket yeah um, anyway it came to a point where i was like nothing i've tried is working and so like i've got to do what i have not tried yet which is not doing anything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Surprise. And, um, you know, you and I kind of discovered this uh, path to intuitive eating somewhat at the same time. And a little bit of it about, uh, was about wanting a better future for your daughter and realizing that there was some bad behaviors happening in the household mm-hmm. in front of her. Mm-hmm. And we wanted something different yeah. And her. this isn't like that long ago. Right? No. Like, four years. We're talking two years a couple ago. years. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And first I will, and you'll, you know, you're going to tell your story too, but like we were like, well, we'll still do it, but we're just going to not talk about it in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a like super backwards way of thinking about it. But, mm-hmm. um. But today, food freedom means to me that, like, I really do trust myself in a way that I hadn't previously. Mm. Um, You know, the first couple times I attempted to have, like, an intuitive eating practice in my life, I went in the grocery store and that same little girl who bought, like, that giant box of Gushers was like, let's freaking go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I went through the aisles you're not supposed to go through, like, you know, uh, in the middle of the store where the processed things are. And I was like, I'm just going to buy whatever I want to buy. And that's a huge privilege, of course. Like, food access in our area is really um, wonderful and um, I was able to buy very many things and try different things. And for the first, you know, while it was kind of overboard for me, I was like, I'm not feeling that great. And I'm eating a lot of things I'm not normally eating. And but I'll tell you what, it has been so interesting to me. I used to be the kid at the table at dinner. And this is my example. And I'll let you guys go to the next person after me. But my mom used to always say, you've had enough bread. Like if we'd sit at the table at a restaurant, she'd say, are you going to have another piece? You've had enough bread. And bread was like my favorite food. Oh, my God. When we did keto, it was so hard for me to not have bread. And I haven't bought a loaf of bread, like, in the longest time. And not because I don't think bread's great. Like, it just doesn't hit the way it did when mm. I couldn't have it. Mm. Um, like, I'll buy it and I'll be like, we'll make sandwiches for a week. And then I won't buy it again because I just kind of forget about it. And that mm. is not something I thought would ever happen to me. And yeah. it's okay if you did buy it. I and wanna, it's great. Yeah. Like, I buy a baguette when I want to have, like, a little yeah. knicker. I love bread. But, like, it doesn't have the power over me that it once held. Mm. Like, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm going to have more slices of bread on this basket at the table. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that was delicious. And, like, whatever. And so to have food neutrality, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make here. Um, I've been able to come to a place where there are weeks where I want to eat all kinds of whatever foods. And then there's weeks where I'm like, I really, really am craving this other food I haven't had in a long time. And that freedom for me has taken up so much more um, less mental space. Mm which I'm sure you'll attest to in your story. And I just feel really grateful to not have food occupy my brain like all day long, every single day. Mm. Like if I'm hungry and I need to grab something from the shop downstairs, like I don't go like, well, they don't have this or they don't have that. I have to go somewhere else. It's a little bit easier. Mm. And it's a gift. It's freedom. It is food freedom for me. I love that. Well, and sometimes I still buy the big box of gushers. (laughs) And I'm available for that, too. Um, you know where my office is. Please drop me a, please <laughs> drop me a back. There's enough in that box for everyone in the office, so I'll have to bring one in. Uh, well, I'm going to transition with your story with the baguettes. Yes. Uh, I One of my highlights of going to France, the last time I went mm-hmm. to France, was there was a group of children. They must have been six years old. There was like 25 of them. 
They were out on a little field trip somewhere downtown in Paris, and they all had a baguette in their backpack. Every single one. And I was like, I just love this. This is like my favorite moment of all time. Because in the U.S., we demonize bread. We do. And I'm like, Jesus, like this is crazy. If you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? Well, at We Shape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. Um, but anyway, it was the sweetest thing I ever saw these children with all their baguettes. Um, <laughs> but I... I have a similar story. I definitely grew up in an environment where, uh, and a culture and a community, uh, where thin bodies were more perceived as more valuable, even though no one ever says that. No, but it's just, it's just what it is. And I, my mother grew up overweight and bullied for her weight. And she was, I think, pretty isolated and, and, um, had a lot of trauma around bullying and her weight. So as an adult, she really has spent a lot of her time making sure that she never goes back to that. Yeah. And those messages were really passed down. So um, and then I also was in a culture at school where that I had friends who, you know, like I had a particular friend who was smaller than me, who got a lot of attention uh, from boys at school. And um, I still really fit the mold. Uh, I think this is the thing I really want to highlight. In a lot of ways, I still really fit the mold of a smaller body. I do. But I never felt that way. Mm. And that is the that is the fucking trap of this shit, is that yeah. it's never good enough. And even yeah. my friend who was smaller than me was always trying to get smaller. Mm. And I remember when she got under 100 pounds, like people were mm. like, she would go around and talk about I'm 99 pounds now. And then people would be like, that's amazing. And I'm like, oh. <gasps> Like, at the time, it didn't feel right inside, but I didn't know why, because everyone outside of me was trying to be the smallest body possible. Yeah. And so um, it's just just to highlight, because I know that people are like, well, if I got there, I would be happy. I'm like, I fit that mold. And I still was like, I got to get smaller. Yeah. And I uh, remember at one point in my life, I had my ex-boyfriend and I had broken up and I was really like having a lot of emotional distress and I lost like 15 or 20 pounds and I was very small. And I literally was in the worst psychological state of my life. Like, oh, yeah. So I just want to keep reemphasizing that. And pe- you, you, people were like I'm sure complimenting you. you, right? Oh, like, I'm oh sure. my gosh, yeah. look at how good you look. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? You're like, oh, but just to be honest, yeah. Yeah. Depression. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, at that time, that was when my friend had gotten to down to 99 pounds. And so I actually, she got most of the attention mm. because she had just met this goal thing. And, and even though I was 108 pounds at the time. Like, I was like, oh, well, you're way bigger than her. So it, it just, it's so fucked up when it's I think really back on it. Crazy. Like, human people, like, it's so messed double up. Digit. You're like, we're not children, you know? It's like, so messed up. No, this is like, I was like 20 years old. Yeah. Like, I had like, anyway, 
my body is not meant to be at that weight at all. No. And so I just share that because I know that I have the privilege of being a white woman in a smaller body. And I just want to share to people who are like, well, you feel great when you're that. And I'm like, well, well, I'm going to acknowledge the privilege of that. And I want to say that it's still this like thing that you never feel good. Like I've never felt it's just it just. Feeling good about yourself is a state of mind. It's not how it's not a it matter just, of how you look. It can't be measured by the size of your clothes, yeah. the number on the scale. But I want to acknowledge my privilege in that yeah. because I'm sure I'm treated differently. I'm sure, like even even my small comparison of my friend who was smaller than me and getting all that attention, like that happens to me. And it, it just, yeah, I just want to acknowledge the privilege in that. And I yeah. think what I'm trying to highlight, I'm not trying to forget that part, but what I'm trying to highlight that is that even though. I fit that mold, I still never felt small enough. Right. And that is the messed up nature of toxic weight loss culture. And it's designed to work. That if way. I can break this cycle um, from all the women in my family who have had to endure this narrative, um, I will absolutely continue to do this work because I do. My daughters will not grow up in a world where they believe that a body type is where they value their worth. And I, I just will. I'm not allowing that to happen. I mean, that, I think that cycle's over. What I want to like highlight that you're saying too is like you know you, you fit this mold to some degree, but you don't. It was never still enough. Like we put supermodels on the covers of magazines, and they edit them to be smaller. And they edit their skin to be more. Per- you know, like they're already the most beautiful women in the world, arguably according to American standards, whatever you want to call that. And they change them make anyways, it, and they make, make them more impossible. Actually, un, un impossible. They don't yeah. make them human, and like that's what we're seeing on images every single day all day long and it isn't good enough even the people who are those beauty people we look up to don't look like that we've had a ton of people on the podcast who are were fitness models or fitness and they were like i was miserable i hated my life like it's not what it's not i think what people think it's going to be and um and so what i did with those experiences is i transitioned some of that um energy into like making sure that all my food was quote unquote healthy Mm-hmm. And I obsessed about it, and I probably even had disordered eating around it, making sure that I only – I remember at one point in my life for nine months, I only bought food from the farmer's market. Oh my God. And, like, how – from an environmental perspective, that's wonderful, but that's not why I was doing that. <laughs> I was doing that because I could only eat. And, like, do you know how many hours a day I spent preparing food and, ma- and, and making my lists? And it was, like, six hours of my day. And, and it just was obsessive. Yeah. And um, so for me, food freedom looks like ditching all that shit. <laughs> and the amount of like just ease and relaxation and even thinking about like what we're going to have for dinner later. Like I just am like, we'll figure that out later. Like it's okay if we have pizza four nights in a row. Like it, I, I just am not worried about it anymore. Right. And so freedom for me has been letting go of all of those narratives and stories and beliefs that uh, certain size bodies are better, that certain foods are better than other foods, the morality behind food. And so just like like you said, the funny thing is, is like when you do that, a lot of these ideas around like what I used to crave and what I used to resist, like all of those things kind of go away. It's I don't, in their grip, that's for I, sure. I really don't have that anymore. It's like if I feel like having sugar, I'll just go have a fudge pop. Like I don't, I just don't hold the energy around it. And I want to just encourage people this relationship with food does not happen overnight. Yeah. It took us time. And like we were super fortunate and we had a lot of privilege in the fact that we get to do this for a living. Like this work is our job. We're in close community with each other and we are doing the work together. And so um, I just want to acknowledge that, too. But it does take time. But the other side of that is so rewarding. I barely think about food or anything anymore. I'm like, my brain has so much more capacity to do other things. And I feel so much gratitude for being able to 
unsubscribe to those messages. It's really hard too. Like I think if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you would remember this episode. But you know, when we first started doing the the podcast, which you know we had been doing this work a little bit before that, but I was still like I still had the Weight Watchers app on my phone, like it was still there in case I wanted to you know maybe use it and. It took a long time to say, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to delete this. I do not need this in mm-hmm. my life. And there was fear. So, like, if you're experiencing that part of this, mm-hmm. if you're, like, on this journey where you're curious or you're like, this doesn't feel possible. Like, it's it's challenging, but it's doable and it's worth it. And it takes time. And, like, you get to take a step forward and then see how that feels. It isn't an all or nothing thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not a good or bad person based on what you eat. I'm just going to say that. There's mm. morality in food. Like, really, I get, I get triggered by that now. Because I used to be that person. And I'm like, I cannot, like, we got to we gotta work towards food neutrality in our culture because we are really yeah. gone astray. And then we, we lose the relationship that is so beautiful with food that's really rooted in community and friendship and enjoyment and, enjoyment and pleasure. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah. yeah, I feel so grateful to have the freedom that I have today around it. So Tyler, what about you? Ooh. Well, that's a rabbit hole right there. Um, well, you know, I feel like I share some of Nina's story a little bit in a, in a certain sense. Um, not the same way I was raised, but um, both of my parents have struggled with their weights their whole life. And um, what I saw was a couple people who really just played into what they saw um, culture saying. And so this is like whatever doctors were saying at the time you know, low fat diet and weight watchers and, you know, lean cuisines and low fat this and diet that. And so my house was filled with products, with food products that were centered around weight loss. And yet only one point in my young life did I see my parents lose weight successfully. And then they kind of bounced back to where they were before. And so even though this was all around us all the time, it like wasn't working, right? It clearly wasn't working. And I think I, in a lot of ways, inherited um, this uh, propensity for wanting to go to that next thing and see the next thing work, right, and do the next thing. And, and at the same time, uh, also fall off that thing and, and go for a binge, you yeah. know, because it's like, hey, I want to eat everything under the sun, right? And um, also, you know, just like as a child, especially as a man, we've talked about this more recently on the podcast, I think that a lot of boys are taught not how to, or taught how to not feel. And so we have feelings and, you know, a very common thing that happens is, oh, come on here, have a snack, come over here, this. And I think that every time we get those repetitions of using food to calm ourselves, it just becomes, frankly, we're training in eating, eating disorder at the end of the day, because we're just trying to seek some way to comfort us. And so I think there was some of that in my upbringing as well. Um, I think where I feel like my story is 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 interesting for, for, for me, at least, is like all of that pain put a big old chip on my shoulder and it said, Hey, you're overweight. You, you know, you don't feel like you're, you're the, you're the, the body type you need to be. You want to, you want to be fit. You want to be muscular. You want to do X, Y, and Z. And, um, when I started my journey, I would very much say I got stuck in that bigorexia kind of camp, right? I got obsessed with bodybuilders and like, you know, doing those types of workouts and, oh my gosh, like I really want to get like super big and this and that, like, you know, all this kind of quote unquote, you know, I, I call it fake masculinity now, but just thinking that um, I wanted to be that person. And I think that's important to note, like the same way women are exposed to these thin bodies and these models who are touched up, little boys are exposed to superheroes and all these people who um, have these ideal bodies as well. And so we have this disorder in a different way. And in a lot of ways, at least for me, it was like, 
It was just how big and muscular and athletic and manly and blah, you know, all this stuff that you think is, is going to get you somewhere that makes you feel happy. So anyways, I took that chip on my shoulder and I ran with it and I too did many, many diets. Um, I think that one of the things that, um, that gave me the ability to have a real deep perspective on a lot of different diets was I have this thing called ADHD and I have a subtype called hyper-focused ADHD, which means when you're interested in something, you go all in on it. And it makes it, I guess, fairly easy to cultivate quote unquote discipline to do something kind of consistently. And so a lot of the diets that I would follow, I'd go like really hardcore into them. Um, but I'd always give myself a cheat day and give myself the opportunity to binge on that. Nina knows exactly what I'm talking about. She's long there for those ones. <laughs> Katie used to look at us like, God damn, guys, you're eating so many calories on these days. Um, and so anyways, you know, I would just, I would try everything under the sun. And in, in a lot of ways, I think I find some gratitude for the reality that like you build tools in your toolbox when you try a lot of different stuff, um, as long as you're listening to your body. But the big things I really took away from it and I think are really important for people to understand is like, all of that was rooted in self-judgment, right? Every time I went on a new diet, it was like, oh, I need to be more lean. I need to be perform better. I need to be healthier. Like whatever, whatever the thing was, it was always some excuse to do something that someone else said was the way and ignore my body, you know? So like Katie and I were veg vegetarian slash vegans for several years and um, I did okay on it. Katie did horribly on it. And it wasn't until you finally like reintroduce some other foods that your body kind of turned around and it was like, whoa, this is intense. Um, I, uh, I did keto so hard at one point. They had a joke at the gym that they wanted to put a croissant in a glass case because my blood sugar would spike after like a really intense workout trying to create um, glucose. Um, there's a process in the body called gluconeogenesis where it converts protein into glucose. So I'm like burning up sugar so fast and I don't make them and I'm like blacking out at the gym and they're like, and I'm like, oh, I probably should just go more keto. You know what I mean? Um, intermittent fasting is another one I experimented with a lot of. And I think that it's such an interesting tool where if you really are able to pay attention to your body, you know, a little bit of fasting here and there could be incredibly useful for just like making your digestion feel better, your body feel better. But it's borderline like, it, you know, eating disorder level as well. Like I have to not eat these hours and I have to not eat this many days a month and like. I, I got so dogmatic about so many different things that, um, again, I think the message there is like, they take you away from yourself, right? And they're rooted in, in judgment and you're rooted in like, I need to do this because I want to change because I'm supposed to be this because blah, blah, blah. And the more that we practice these things without bringing them, without the intention of it bringing us closer to ourselves, right? Then it becomes harder and harder, I think, down the road for people to actually give themselves permission to connect with themselves. So like, for me, it's like, okay, judgment, judgment, judgment fuels all this stuff. And at some point you're just like, oh, I got to stop judging myself. I got to stop. Like, I just got to start appreciating myself. And then if I want to still be someone who shows up and, and, and makes choices that make me feel good, build that awareness and that connection with your body. Right. So now, nowadays I still feel like I have a lot of work to do. I think it's very much a core pattern of mine was, um, like a propensity for eating disorders. I'm not saying any other way, like various different types, like overeating, binge eating, you know, uh, orthorexic type of, uh, behavior as well. Um, at this point, I feel like I constantly watch my thoughts take me there and I just go, you know what? I'm going to have a muffin and I'm not going to like get mad about it. Right. I'm just going to relax or, Oh, I didn't have as much protein as I probably, uh, would like to have today to recover, you know, but ah, it's not a big deal, you know, and just kind of give myself a lot less judgment 
and also try to just be more aware of, of what my body's saying to me. Because that's the other thing I've heard both of you guys say is when you give yourself freedom to just kind of do anything, when you eat foods that don't agree with you, there's just a point where you're like, not worth it, mm. you know? And it's interesting. It's like when you, when you play the game of self-judgment, you're like, I can't have that. I can't have that. That can't creates that intensity. That intensity creates that desire. And then you make that choice, right? Versus like, oh, I can, I can have that. I'm going to eat it. Like, oh, wow, that didn't really make me feel like good. You get enough reps of that in and you're just like, ah, I don't really care that much anymore. Well, I think you're highlighting something that's really important. When you and uh, when you and when all of us participate in constant dieting, like your whole life, yeah. essentially what you have done is you have trained your behaviors to ignore your cues from your body. Yeah. And your cues are, I'm full, <laughs> I'm 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 hungry. I'm uh, good. I don't feel yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's a lot of messages. See, I can't even name the cues. It's hard. Um, there's a lot of things, and maybe one day we'll have someone on the podcast who can just talk about body cues, because there's a lot of uh, infinite wisdom and messages that our bodies are giving us that we have literally trained, just trained out of to ignore. Oh yeah. Oh and I so, know. just like even the simple notion of I'm hungry, or I'm full. Right. Like we have been trained to like not listen to those things. So we don't really know. So I think just like setting the intention and bringing awareness to like, I don't maybe I don't know what it means for my body to feel hungry. Um, maybe I only have really felt hunger once I'm like at a level 10 hunger. Right. Maybe I don't really know what it means for my body to feel full. Like we I feel like those are just too simple ones. Right. And I think just understanding that and then giving yourself patience and grace to like further understand and deepen that relationship with your body are really important. Like it, it's a process and it takes time and it takes kindness and it, and it's not going to happen overnight because yeah. we've spent most of our lives ignoring those or training ourselves to not pay attention to those. We were talking about this a little bit beforehand and we don't have to go into details or debates, but like, you know, one thing that you said that I actually resonate with in a, in a lot of ways is like what we try to do here at WeShape is we don't want to be that person's guru we want to teach you how to be your own guru, right? And I think that so much of our society rooted in capitalism says, this is the latest thing, this is the latest thing, this is the latest thing, this is the latest thing. And like you said, the more repetitions we get saying, I'm going to do this, I, I, I'm a, you know, when people describe their diet sometimes, they describe it as their identity, right? Absolutely. I'm a vegan, right? I do paleo, I do keto, right? Like that's who they are at the core. And it's like, whoa, you're not just like a food category of what you're eating, right? There's so much more to each individual. But the more times we give our power away and we look for someone else to tell us what to do, the, the, the harder it is for us to connect with ourselves. And I think that that's the most important thing with food freedom is connect with yourself. Yeah, I think you know, what we're trying to do yourself. is say that we're learning too and we're Absolutely. all just human beings. And uh, we want to help people feel supported in being the experts for themselves, yeah. of themselves, because the truth is, is that anytime we are taking someone else's leadership to an extreme it's just another form of looking outside of ourselves for answers and i i do believe that we all need to be held and supported and sometimes guided but i i also really hold want to hold a strong intention here of i, I wanted to share experiences and and know that people have a place where they can feel accepted and not judged and led to themselves i mean that would be my ultimate goal for this company is to give a space for people to begin that journey of self-discovery and not like well i'll just do what katie says or i'll just do what nina says or what tyler says and then i'll be happy it's like well no like we'll give you a space to feel supported and accepted but like we also want people to feel like they have the permission to start looking within and start connecting with self in a deeper way because 
nothing is the same for two people, ultimately, in any category, in diets and exercise and spiritual paths and, you know. So anyway, I I appreciate you saying that. And I hope that when people come here, they can feel that there is acceptance and support. But we are no one's gurus. We are also on this journey together and learning for ourselves as well. And I do believe that the the journey of self-discovery and coming home to yourself is a lifelong journey. So we're not here to say we have all the answers. We're yep. here to say we're doing it together. We're figuring it out. We're all dysfunctional <laughs> human beings here at WeShape, just <laughs> yeah. like the rest of the world. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I so appreciate everyone sharing today. I think this is a great opportunity just to connect with our community and share our experiences towards food freedom. Uh, if you want to connect with us, don't forget to check us out at WeShape.com. Also, if you want to send us an email, you can reach us at podcast at weshape.com, and we will see you next week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Be kind to yourselves, okay? Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, make sure you click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash free where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. See you next week.